If they have great brands and if they have great product service and business model in the existing market, it's really risky for them to modify everything and start from the scratch in new market. Mm. So they are facing them. But for the Series A or before startups, although they have technologies and they have team and they have a bit of product market fit in the existing market, they are still finding their product market fit, especially in validating gross hypothesis. So they tend to be more agile and to be more flexible in changing the business model and product and service. Hello, welcome to Tiny Dragon, where we dive deep into tech startups mastering product market fit, even in the most unfamiliar markets. I'm your host, Elaine. Join us as we dive deep into the heart of tech startups, uncovering the secrets of how tech startups found their product market fit, turning complex insights into actionable strategies for entrepreneurs and tech enthusiasts alike. Hello, Marco. Hi, Lynn. Yes, thank you so much for your time to uh, be on our podcast today. I'd like to introduce uh, Marco Lee. He's the director and founder of Other Hand Ventures. And mm -hmm. uh, Other Hand Ventures, I understand what you do is you help early stage tech startups from South Korea using Canada as a launch pad to expand to the North American market, right? So maybe you can give us a few words to share about your background and why you came to do about this business. Yes. First of all, thank you very much for this great opportunity to be on your podcast. A founder and also director of company builder, as well as a consulting company that mostly working with startups from Korea. They want to expand their market to North America. I have a bit of experience in strategy consulting area. Uh, had chance to work in BCG and EY before and had built my career as a consultant in one of the boutique consulting firms based in Vancouver that mostly work with tech startups, helping them with their go-to-market strategy. I started this company around four years ago, and it actually started as a freelancing kind of initiative at the beginning. Since when I was in university, I used to uh, help small business build their business plan to help them get ready for their bank loan application. And I just have been doing that for a long time and found my passion in startups and tech spaces. So I kind of pivoted to this area then. And my main job was building a business plan and doing market research back then. But I kind of found some opportunities in from the startups who want to expand their market to North America. So I believe Vancouver uh, can be a good place to test the product and service and business model of the foreign startups. And it could be a good market as a launch pad. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a bit of my... So company. I understand you have a hybrid background. You grew up in South Korea mm -hmm. and then you studied yes. in uh, Canada, in Vancouver. So mm -hmm. West Coast of Canada, right? So you, you understand uh, both sides of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I grew up in Korea, graduated high school over there and came to Canada and finished my university bachelor's degree here. Kind of, yes, as you mentioned, I have kind of hybrid background in terms of my education and also the experiences that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so our podcast, Tiny Dragon, we love to interview people who have that hybrid background because mm -hmm. when tech startups expand to other foreign markets, 
a lot of the cultural differences, business etiquette differences, you know, comes into play, right? Mm-hmm. So I know you just came back from uh, South Korea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, have you observed any recent market changes after COVID? And uh, is there still a need for a lot of Korean startups to want to come to North America? Yes, I'm always surprised by the information that I get to know by doing the market validation project because there are always unexpected data and information coming out by doing the project. So for that reason, I really suggest startups from the foreign companies do the market research from the scratch. And I always suggest them don't assume their product, service, and business won't work in the new market since they don't know, they don't understand because yeah. they didn't have chance to study the new market. For example, yes, yes. There are many, many cases that I have because there are always uh, new facts coming out uh, from the project. For example, one of the interesting things that I observed is that's one of the first companies that I worked with. It was tech startups from Korea who's making AI and IoT-based solution for people with autism or ADHD or developmental disorders. Back then, the product they want to sell in North America was fast uh, that helping people with autism. And we conducted preliminary research with the product by doing market research, understanding industry structure, industry trends. We also started government subsidies and families of people with autism and ADHD live. That was the research that we were able to do as a preliminary research. And we decided that this market it has a great opportunity and our new product can have a value that can propose into the Canadian market by talking to industry professionals as well, like occupational therapists, behavior analysts, and also developmental education uh, teachers from the public educational institution. Since we decided that this could have the opportunity we brought some product into Canada and tested with families that have kids with uh, developmental disorders. And the test took around two months in doing that. And after the tests were done, we were really surprised by a few things, especially the things that we didn't expect to see. There were many families that participated in the test were satisfied the result or the impact of the test. And mm-hmm. also they were satisfied by the uh, the concept of the product, the value proposition it has. However, they didn't want to use the product because of other issues. Mm-hmm. For example, back then, it was summer in 2019 or 2020. Uh, it was really, really hot. And although the vest was not really heavy, it was still the kids with the autism and developmental disorders had trouble using it all day because of the high temperature and that was surprising for me because it was a thing that i wasn't able to expect before because in korea they have hotter summer they have a higher temperature they have higher humidity so it's it's way more hotter in korea than in vancouver however the thing happened was since in Korea, they mostly have an air conditioner set up in their houses, so it's not a problem when they're inside. However, in Vancouver, since our summer is not really hot usually, uh, we kind of don't have an air conditioner in most of the houses, right? Now we have it because we experienced that hot summer yeah. Weather changed. years ago. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, weather changed. And also the behavior changed. And I remember that air conditioners were sold out in most of the big box retailers. Mm. Uh, however, back then, since it was really hot, the consumers complained about the vest designed with a really thick textile. Mm. And we designed that with thick textile because people, kids with autism tend to stretch out the vest and tend to, you know, be more active in their daily education. So they tend to, you know, damage the uh, clothes, mm. the garments. And however, we realized that that can be a hurdle for consumers to use this product. So, and we also got to know uh, many other informations like that by doing the project. And we improved that product mm -hmm. and brought back to North America. And actually, really, it got a award from CES uh, last year nice. and now it's getting ready for market expansion and try to the market testing again right. yeah that's just one of many cases whenever we do tests with the product I get to know very interesting facts and always surprised mm -hmm. by that yeah that's Nice. Bit of story. So, yeah, CES is uh, the Computer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, right? Anyway. Yeah, Consumer Electronics Show, yeah. uh, if yeah. I remember right. Huh? Okay. Any other case that's interesting you want to share? Yes, um, there was a story that I realized that how value hypothesis is important. How uh, there was a story that I realized that the value hypothesis should always not be assumed that it will work as it worked in the their existing market. But I also uh, see in many cases, although their current product service provide value to new market, uh, their growth model should always be changed. Yeah, it's basically, it's marketing, but I would say it's way more broader concept because the growth, it, it does not only include marketing, it includes uh, sales, business oh, development, how, expands, right? how they expand or how, how they grow their size. Oh, okay. So, for example, now I don't work with SaaS companies anymore, but in my early stage of my company, I used to work with SaaS companies as well. Since SaaS companies are their buyer, yeah, software as a startup, and since their buyers are mostly, in most cases, is ventures or companies or enterprises, so they have to build a sales funnel. That's what SaaS companies always do. And I found that the sales funnel in Korea, in most cases, do not work in North America. And that's because how the end buyer, in most cases, companies are structured is different. Decision makers are different. People who talk how, to the SaaS different. companies are different. All things are different. How different? I mean, yeah. I know in Asia... It's a lot of relationships, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the hierarchy. Hierarchy, um, yes. Yeah. And here, maybe North America, not so much. Is that the power is dispersed? Mm -hmm. Not everything has to go up to the boss, maybe. Yes, yes. That's also the case. And probably, I'm not sure if that's the case because I didn't have a chance to see the data. However, since SaaS companies tend to have premium in their valuation, especially a few years ago, SaaS companies. Uh, when they're publicly listed, they have uh, way more higher multiples compared to the startups in companies Korea. And I believe that's because uh, in North American market, as long as they have successful tractions, they could expect faster growth scenarios as well as they expect to grab the bigger market than in Korea because this North American market has a bigger market, obviously, especially in tech space. 
for that reason, I saw the SaaS companies of North America, their sales funnel, the way that they interact with consumers are more structured by utilizing Salesforce and HubSpot. And they really tap into this with, let's say, I'm not an expert in B2B, business-to-business go-to-market. So I'm lacking of this insights in this area. But I think the way that they interact with customers or interact with the people of the companies is different. They always have account executives and technical support team who will make sure that their current uh, service will work without complaints. And I think the investments that they put into this activity is higher than in Korea. And they always customize the, the offerings if there's a big enough size of the SaaS companies. Although there are many other SaaS companies that provide cookie cutter offerings by tiered offerings. So yeah, and many things are different. Uh, CRM softwares are uh, although in Korea, they also use HubSpot and Salesforce, different. Is and... it North America, it's more using online uh, marketing more, like to scale in Asia, use more people? I'm not sure about that. I think that's different based on the companies, not different based on the the market. Yeah, but I think uh, it's all different by cases and all different by companies and different by the customer archetypes that they have. Yeah. However, I found that when they assume the current account executive or account team in Korea or in existing market work well in new market, I think it's really dangerous because it will not work mm, okay. in most so cases. You don't assume so much, right? Yeah. So you really got the eyes and years for the Korean uh, startups or companies, you know, here yes. in America to adjust mm. for the product, right? Okay. Yes, yes. Any other interesting things that they might not know in uh, Korea about North America market? I'll say I'm not working, mostly working with the SaaS companies anymore since I want to focus on product startups, especially in food tech or mm. health supplement area. That's my current focus. I, I used to work with some of the SaaS companies and they tend to see their current gross model does not work in new market, in North America. Mm. Uh, in other words, uh, the gross hypothesis that they already validated in their existing market, usually or in most cases, it doesn't work in new market. Mm. As consumer behaviors are different based on the market, SaaS companies, mostly their buyers or consumers are companies. Company cultures and company structures and the way the company operate is different from mm-hmm. Korea to North America. I see. Uh, for example, the way that customer relationship management is done in Korea and North America is also different. Mm. Uh, expectations. A customer relationship is also different. Uh, for the SaaS companies, it was interesting that in North America, they usually have the way that relationship was managed in Korea and in North America was a bit different. But I kind of feel like that was because of that specific company in Korea was uh, they decided to take that uh, sort of the customer management system. But I feel like the way that they sell the product, the way that they manage the relationship after they sell the product was mostly different. That means, I believe that means the gross hypothesis should be validated right. as long as 
they want yeah. to get into the new market. Yeah, I know, you know, in North America is also always like 30 days guarantee and money back guarantee. And, you know, yeah, all, all these, uh, because the market is large, right? So maybe it's just a small percentage of uh, product returns and stuff like uh -huh. that. Yes. And also, I believe since SaaS market is way more bigger here in than in Korea, and also I kind of see SaaS companies are valued at higher with the premiums when they IPO. They are listed on the, they are publicly listed, which means their valuation can have some premium in North America. It applies for every cases, but that's kind of feeling that I have. For that reason, I believe contributions that SaaS companies can put into their growth can be different from Korea, but also wages different. In Korea, they tend to instantaneously talk to their customers when they try to call or email. But in North America, mm -hmm. the way that customers and the companies interact is also different. So I think it's multifaceted. Maybe if it's, uh, I think China is also the same. Because in China, I think the Confucius culture is, uh, mm -hmm. if it's a customer, you want to be respectful and immediate you know, reply. Here, maybe in North America, uh, there's also respect for your own, like as an employee, you still have, you know, work-life balance. <laughs> yes, yes. You can't expect the employee to work 24-7, uh -huh. right, around the clock, because uh, they have labor laws and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yes, prob probably like that. Um, so what are some of the biggest mistakes to avoid, you think, for startup uh, companies from Korea to expand to another market, especially over here? I think the Korean startups, they should not assume that their current product, service, business model will work uh, well as they work in their existing market. Mm. Uh -huh. And what I mean by that is since getting into new market uh, require huge capital investment and the huge, the, the, the definition of huge, of course, can be different based on the size of the companies, but as a ballpark number, it's often said that if the startups want to get into new market, they kind of invest in minimum 300K in USD, considering the overhead cost and also the other uh, uh, costs in involved in that activity. And for that reason, uh, I kind of see in order to invest in that uh, capital, uh, startups have to be at the stage of Series B or above. Mm, in most B. cases, right. yeah. In in okay. most cases, because at that okay. stage they already validated their value hypothesis and uh, growth hypothesis in Korea or in their existing market. Now they want to grow more, and mm. they consider market expansion as one of the opportunities. But right. since they already validated their value hypothesis and growth hypothesis in the existing market, they tend to assume that they will work in new market. However, market is different. For that reason, customer behavior, personality, and legal issues, political issues are all different. Competitive mm -hmm. landscape is different. So if they assume that their successful model in the existing market work in the new market, I think it could work well. So for that reason, I think setting that as a initial hypothesis and assuming that their current product and service can work well in new market won't hurt, but I think they always have to 
keep in mind that uh, their existing product service can always be modified to fit into new market. Yeah. So usually how long does it take for you to help them figure this out if their existing product works for North American market, let's say? Um, I would say it's divided into multiple phases mm-hmm. because uh, we always start by doing the preliminary research on desktop and by interviewing some of the potential customers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't take long. It usually takes uh, two or three months. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, it is dependent on how difficult it is to recruit potential customers. Mm. Uh, however, that can be done very easily. But I don't think that can provide enough insights for them to validate if their product and service can work in the new market or not. I uh, Usually after that phase, I give them uh, the outcomes from the research. And most of the cases or many cases, they tend to realize that their current business model and product service could not work well in the market. Mm. Uh, however, if they still think that their product service could work in the new market, then they will bring their existing product service and existing business model into Vancouver or Canada and validate by testing it with the real customer, real potential customers. That takes longer than the preliminary phase. However, provide better insights because actually testing with the, the real customers. I would say there are no cookie cutter approach. Uh, it all different based on the product and service and the type of the test that they want to do. Yeah. Right. So when we say North America and even Canada, it's very multicultural, right? Like there are many, many immigrants here, you know. The biggest population is like Indian and then Chinese, mm-hmm. and Philippines. Yeah. So when you uh-huh. help them test their product over here, like do you first start with Koreans in North America or is it Chinese or, or white? Like who do you focus on? It is always different based on what kind of target market that product and service have. If that's Korean. I will test and do interview and do market research with the Koreans in North America. Let's say if that's our Gen Z with a background, I'll say that's all different based on the target market that the product services are defining. I kind of see that getting into Korean immigrants market in Canada can be an easy way to tapping into this new market. But I also think that there is a trade-off that by doing so, their current product and service should adapt to that market mm. and the Korean immigrants market in Canada. And since the Korean immigrants market in Canada uh, have their own unique person characteristics and behaviors, and I kind of believe that if the product and service fit into that market, there are will be challenges in expanding into the main market. So oh. I believe that although that's a easier way to get into the market, I always suggest try to challenge themselves by getting into the market uh, that they believe have the most potential in the North American mm-hmm. market. Yeah, because uh, the population in Koreans in Canada is not the majority of people, right? Obviously, not majority. Community, <laughs> like, do you think Chinese behavior maybe a little bit more similar to Koreans? And there's a lot of Chinese people here, also. <laughs> yeah, although I didn't have chance to do project. With Chinese community here in Canada, I'll say Asian immigrants as a whole, if mm. they can be defined as a one market and if their product and services that uh, want to sell to 
that sort of specific market, uh, I think it's huge enough. Although mm. I don't have any quantitative data here. Yeah, I, yeah. That's just what I feel. Like when I go to downtown Vancouver, there are many Asian cuisines yeah. in the world, right? Yes, so, yes. Yeah. So you mentioned you focus on uh, like food tech, like plant-based meat. And uh, mm-hmm. can you explain more about why these categories or industries? Yes. So first of all, I'm really a foodie. I really like to eat food. And also food is one of my passions. When I was in university, I used to work in fine dining as a line cook. That's one of the main reasons, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I think food provides unique value to the people. I have been observing that consumer behaviors are changing due to this global crisis. What I mean by that is cost of consuming beef, pork is increasing because... It's um, well, right? You know, transportation yeah, costs has gotten higher after COVID. Yeah, and also since beef production is one of the significant contributor to the global climate crisis. It, uh, a single most significant factor in greenhouse gas emission. Mm. Uh, and also, so beef production is a single most significant factor to the global climate crisis or the greenhouse gas emission. And food production system as a whole, that includes uh, meat production, is also one of the biggest factors of greenhouse gas emission is it occupies 23% of the whole global greenhouse gas emission. For that reason, I believe since, since we as a country, governments and also consumers, GenGs especially, care really a lot about environmental sustainability, uh, I believe that customer behavior will change in the future. Or it's already changing a lot. Last year, I've been to many food expos and I saw many plant-based products and many sustainable food are the expos. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw the opportunities in that area and now trying to develop plant-based food that's sustainable and also tasty and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that plant-based food include the plant-based protein, plant-based chicken, as you mentioned, plant-based egg stuff. Um, so and also edible insects. I believe that not sure what kind of product and service uh, products will be the one that customers will actively consume in the future. But I believe that customer behaviors are changing, and they need a new type of the food. Right. Interesting. And is that like a strength for Korean companies locally over there? Yes and no. And yes, because compared to Canadian food industry, not just Canadian food industry, uh, United States food industry as well, I believe, although I didn't see any quantitative data regarding this matter, Korean food industry is really fast-paced. It changes really fast. It adopts new concept of the cuisine really fast. Just simply considering the restaurants uh, in Korea, when you get there, I suppose it's, it's similar in Hong Kong or China. In one corner in downtown, there are always like a bunch of the restaurants, right? Always yeah. we see many restaurants, but in, in North America, uh, we don't have many restaurants in, although it's, there are still many restaurants and they are really good foods, but 
the number of the restaurants is different and regulations. It takes longer for those、uh, Canadian restaurants to get approved to have a new business open. So I think Koreans changes fast in、yeah. the food industry. There are always new food product to try. So.、Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. think also、uh, Asians love to eat because it's also a way of socializing, right?、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so maybe that's why it's、uh, so fast. Okay.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, lastly, to summarize, like, so what's your one takeaway of advice for、uh, Korean startups before they come over here? What should they consider, and and what are the steps they should take? Uh huh. Uh, it's really good to have a summarizing session because I feel like today. I was not really organized in、uh, talking about those cases and things that startups should keep in mind. I believe one thing is, as I mentioned before,、uh, startups should always not assume that their current product, service, and business model work in new market. I think they always have to approach with their startup spirit that they used to have in their seed or Series A stage. So、mm-hmm. I always tell startups that I work with that this is new market. And you are a new player in the market, so you have to bring back your startup spirit that you used to have in your seed or、uh, pre-A stage,、mm. uh, because that's the best way to find the market fit and develop the best product that works for the new market. Like, so if the company is already Series A or B, so the founder has maybe done a few years, right?、Mm-hmm, so、mm-hmm. each person from that startup should. To work with you or help them expand to a new market. I mostly work with the startups at stage of Series A or、okay. before. Okay, I see. And the reason is because I believe after Series B, actually, although I mentioned that they should not assume that their current product, service, business, whatever, work well in new market, there are some inherent challenges that they face because if they have great brands. And if they have great product, service, and business model in the existing market, it's really risky for them to modify everything and start from the scratch in new market.、Mm-hmm. So they are facing them. But for the Series A or before startups, although they have technologies and they have team, and they have a bit of product market fit in the existing market, they are still finding their product market fit, especially in validating cross hypotheses. So they tend to be more agile and to be more flexible、mm-hmm. in changing the business model and product and service. For that reason, I usually work with、uh, Series A or before startups that I usually interact and work with CEOs and founders of companies. Okay, okay. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you wanted to、um, tell us? <laughs> no, no, no. That was really interesting time to talk about the things. So, if our audience wants to reach out to you, like, how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, can you? Share my LinkedIn and my website. Okay.、Uh, All right. Thank you so much, Marco, today for being on our podcast and sharing your experiences. And hopefully,、uh, more Korean startups will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> We can also help them、uh, over here in North America. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs>